Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. You know, it's, it's gratifying to know that more and more people are considering their mental health. We went back a, a number of years, even saying those two words would make many uncomfortable, but now people are okay saying, yeah, you know what? I'm taking care of my mental health. I have a therapist, a counselor, talking to somebody. We're going to look at mental health in general, but focus first on concentration challenges, ADHD and such. More and more cases of ADHD are being diagnosed all the time, especially with adults, realizing that, wait a minute, you know, something doesn't seem like it should be. We've got somebody who helps people all the time, coaches them along, focuses on working through trauma related to many different things, bullying, depression, anxiety, and helps people with all mental health aspects. And he's with us today, Ja Harvman is on the program. Hey, Ja, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good. Welcome back. Um, tell us about your view of ADHD nowadays. Are you hearing more and more cases are, are being diagnosed maybe more than ever? Yes. Um, that's mostly because um, we have a lot more information about mental health nowadays. You know, before these kids, especially in poor or low-income communities, were considered just bad or they just were undisciplined but we now know due to you know biological research that's not true they have an innate you know sense of like, an innate amount of awareness that an energy that needs to be burned off right so um um adhd it people might adhd is something that has grown up immensely in diagnosis mostly because i believe that um, a lot of like a lot of behaviors we previously attributed, you know, like just boys will be boys, boys are hyper, boys will do that. A lot, most boys are like ADHD is mostly focused around male children, right? Mm. So, um, a lot of these uh, children they were expected to like sit through the um, public structure of school, if I want, like you know, to sit down in class, stare at a lecture for eight hours a day. You know, there's only a lot of public schools, they only really have, like, one hour, maybe 30 minutes of, like, playtime or of, um, like, any type of exercise or gym time. And those were the only times these, like, men were, these boys and men were allowed to burn off their energy. Um, the rest of the time, they were meant to just, like, sit down for six hours and, you know, public school, a school is really just a recent idea in our society, right? Uh, well, uh, at least for the public. There were private schools, and mostly those were people who already, like those families who already wanted that centralized area of information. Um, school used to be only for, like, middle-class and upper-class families, and it wasn't until, like, 50, 40, 50 years ago, I said that public schools really started to become more common to give, you know, the poor people a chance, but it came with its own challenges because these people, these were from, like, families who were just, like, accustomed to a work, 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 work lifestyle, so when, you know, they have these children, you know, they have all this energy when they're at home, they play and they work and they play and they work and they play and they work, 
suddenly they're put into an environment that expects them to sit still, to basically control themselves without having any prosperous structure at home. And so this idea is what creates the manifestation of eight we know as attention deficit hyperactive mm. disorder. I don't really think it's, I don't really, I wouldn't disagree with the term that it's an attention deficit. People with ADHD have the ability to have a lot of attention and concentrate. They just have no exercise, right? But because they don't fit the mode of someone who can, you know, sit in the office or stand guard or someone who can just, like, sit for long periods of time without moving, then we call it a disorder, an attention deficit hyperactive disorder, instead of a deviation from the norm, right? Like, these people aren't, there's nothing wrong with them. They simply have a different way that their body reacts to external stimuli. You know, a lot of people who with ADHD are perfect for um, act, very active um, sports or military. Like, um, growing up, I saw a lot of, I have talked to a lot of soldiers who had ADHD, and they were some of the best, they were some of the most aware soldiers. They were some of the most prized soldiers. Um, I also saw, noticed that there were a lot of people with ADHD in MMA and sports. You know, that awareness helps them. That awareness, you can when you combine awareness and focus, you create attention, right? And attention is how you concentrate. A lot of the people who are suffering from ADHD, they simply were never exercised to know how to concentrate, right? If they were taught how to concentrate, then mm. people with ADHD can develop something that researchers now call hyper-focus, where they become so entranced in the activity of whatever they're doing that they, you know, they're so hyper-focused, they actually excel at it. They completely excel at it. And that's what um, people with ADHD, if I have a client with ADHD, that's what I focus on. I focus on creating those exercises, like maybe something simple, like telling them to stare at, like, an object. It could be a bottle cap, it could be a tic-tac on the table, right? And just notice how long their attention span is. For some, it's as little as like two or three seconds, but the more they keep practicing and practicing and practicing and their attention span grows, their attention span evolves, they're able to hyper-focus and it translates to other areas of their life where they're now paying more attention. You know, I never look at it that way, that... These kids, these boys specifically, don't know how, they've never been taught how to channel that en in, that uh, energy. In fact, my best friend's son, when he was younger, like six or seven, around there, he was bouncing off the walls just everywhere. And I wondered, like, I wonder if he's got, you know, ADHD or whatever. Um to my knowledge, never diagnosed, and now he is in his low 20s and has a majorly successful job. So that being said, I've also heard that boys are much more emotionally intelligent than girls when they're very young. Much, much more. But we always tell boys certain things. Big boys don't cry. Um, be quiet, calm down. They, they're emotionally on top of things, but they, like you just said, they, when it comes to uh, energy and attention, they're not sure how to handle it. So I wonder if that also 
uh, and there's been research done on on the emotional intelligence of boys. I wonder if that also comes into play with everything that uh, you're talking about today. Yes, that interacts in numerous ways because our society tells men not to feel. Men don't feel, men yep. don't do that, do that. Um, and that's problematic because men, of course, do feel. In fact, men have a large capacity to feel. And the reason, you know, those boys, they have this large emotional intelligence because, you know, all that awareness, they can notice things. They notice, you know, why is someone sitting away from the group, right? Why is he doing that? Why? You know, boys pay attention to all those things because they're trying to be aware of their surroundings. Maybe it's biological, you know, they look out for threats or whatever. But that's how it typically starts to manifest. And because when they're told not to feel, when you are told not to feel, your brain can't really make connections between those things, right? The part of your brain that tells you to feel and the part of your brain that tells you to connect things are pretty much intertwined. They're one and the same, right? So you, like, when the reason that they have a stunted emotional intelligence, a lot of men have a stunted emotional intelligence because when they were told not to feel, they start making connections with their brains. Now they don't, they can notice the, they can notice things in, like, in their professional lives. But when they get home to your home life, when they have, they're supposed to have that intimacy that naturally happens in relationships, suddenly they don't know what to do. They're confused. Um, well, you know, like, this is my, you know, my partner, my woman, or my male partner or whatever, but I can't, they they don't seem to know how to connect with them because they have been ingrained by society. Do not feel, do not feel, do not feel. And you need mutual feeling to have intimacy. You need to have that connection. So I think a lot of the reason that um, we, I think the reason that, you know, like, we, underestimate boys' emotional intelligence is because of societal expectations of what they are supposed to do instead of their actual natural biological inclusiveness. So what is the, the answer if, you know, let's say a parent has a child who, uh, even a boy, who, if we want to say, has attention challenges, um, where do they go from there? Is it go for maybe a diagnosis of ADHD and are these children improperly being diagnosed uh, in some regards in, in your opinion? There is always going to be some improper diagnosis mostly because you know it's just you know it's just the nature of humanity. Um, unfortunately there are a lot of psychologists, a lot of doctors who are just like pass out diagnoses just to, like, get them out of the office or, you know, prescribe medicine. Um, but that really just takes away their natural ability to focus on attention. I really I really recommend that people, when they see that their child has challenges with certain things, they let the child explore those challenges first. And then once they notice, like, how the child... How the child deals with challenges, that's when you swoop in and you teach them concentration, right? So if your child, for example, has, like, ADHD, but he likes certain, like, toys or activities, uh, you can sit your child down and say, you know what, um, you, you're not paying attention to a lot, but you like these three things, right? Just focus on these three toys or four toys or five toys or whatever, 
for as long as you can, right? Because he's already interested in those things. Those things have already caught his eye. So it's going to be easier for him to focus on those things and then grow and evolve from there. And, and I don't want to say that people shouldn't take medicine, but I should warn against our society's constant um, constant idea that everything needs to be solved with medicine. Like, there's definitely going to be severe extreme cases, and medicine is definitely going to be needed for people who are already adults, they're already in situations where they need to adapt to the circumstances now. But I don't really believe in just prescribing children medicine for every single ailment they have. Some scientists have Science has become very materialistic, saying that we don't have any agency or control over our bodies, but we do. We always have agency. We always have choice. We always have an ability to improve. Our bodies can adapt. We now know this through epigenetics, right, where, you know, we have discovered that stress can affect the body and it can change the way our genes are expressed, right? Before... People thought, you know, like genes, uh, they were just the blueprint and they coded and you're just a body. That's not true anymore. You are more than just a body. You have a self. You have the ability to change and to evolve personally and individually, right? And people who practice concentration exercises, people who practice them day by day, they can improve their concentration just like people who, you know, People used to think that intelligence was just something natural and innate, you know. And if it's natural and innate, then you can't, you know, you're stuck in your place. But people who read, people who practice, um, the entire idea of education, it evens the odds. That's how you increase people's intelligence. Repetition, you know, growing those brains, that willpower, that knowledge, that memory, like muscles. These are how you evolve as a person. And a lot of people with ADHD, they need to learn concentration exercises. They need to focus on objects that they're interested in, and they need to focus on how to keep their awareness in check, how to filter out what's important. I'm totally on your page, Job, when it comes to, to medication. Sure, there's a place for it, but if you can avoid taking medication and find another route, uh, I, I would say certainly do that. If you can, um, what's, what do you think is the first step? You know, number one, if it's a child, where would, and you suspect that maybe they're having some challenges, where would you, where would you turn at that point? Well, um, it always starts at home, right? There's nothing that, there's only so much you can do as an outside observer. You have to talk to your parent and you have to help them recognize that their child has a deviation. And that's why I use the word deviation instead of disorder because most people, once they say, once they hear like disorder, they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with my child. He doesn't need any help. Right. And that's just the end of the, that's the end of the conversation because disorder has that negative connotation, and nobody wants their child wants to be like their child to have seem like they have a problem because a lot of parents first take it as a front that you know there's something wrong with their genes, there's something wrong with them, or like they or they're afraid that they'll be viewed as, like, a bad parent or a negligent parent or even just as, a you know, an unlucky parent. Oh, you have a, your child, all your children have ADHD. Something must be wrong with your genes. You're probably not good. You know, if I, um, especially if a woman is, like, 
um, they're more likely to hide it because, you know, they want to have that, like, that mate. They want to have someone that doesn't view them as just, like, reproductively inviolable, right? So I am... I really think it all starts with letting the letting the parent know that your child has a challenge, a deviation, but they can overcome it, and medication will only treat the problem. It will not cure the problem, and um, you really need to focus on building that foundation in your child now so that when he grows up to be an adult, he can be successful, he can be even more successful than his average period because he has overcome a challenge and they haven't. And when you frame it in that positive way, that positive mindset, most parents would probably be on board. I I really appreciate that you are focusing on what we can do to help our child or children uh, navigate this. Because, you know, a lot of parents, I do believe, look at it and say, well, you know, something's going on there. Let me take them to a doctor. Let me get a diagnosis. Let me get some meds in them. Uh, completely the wrong way to go, in my in my opinion. Um, you're not giving, it's almost as if somebody has anxiety or depression. Are they being given coping skills? Are they being given tools to deal with that? Or are they just being given medication? So, especially for a child, like you said, and it's so clear, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to focus that energy. They don't know how to uh, focus their attention. They've never been taught. So, and and there's a lot of pent up energy in kids, you know. So, it's very reasonable to see that. Um, other thoughts. We were talking about mental health in general. Some some other aspects, other aspects of mental health that uh, you think we should look at today. What do you feel? Um. Yeah. So, mental health. Um, I usually just also call it like mental emotional health because there's kind of an intertwining between those two, right? What we view as mental health, you know, is also tied to how we regulate our emotions specifically, right? Like emotions provide the energy, our mind like uses that energy to make things. And um, I think in terms of mental health, like we've focused a lot on the emotional side, but we also need to focus a lot on the real mental size like people do not like people um have an aversion to learning because it takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of time and that you know when they're trying to survive trying to pay their rent pay their like buy groceries that's understandable but um education is also very powerful when it comes to mental health right and you know teaching people how to learn is a great way to um um, to, um, to fix mental health because it teaches people also how to solve their own problems. A lot of people don't have any problem-solving ability cause, and no critical thinking ability. And because of that, they feel like they're powerless. Like they're, their health, their mental health is out of their control. Their environment is out of their control when that's not true. They have all the control over their thoughts, their actions, their body. They just need to relearn. They need to remember how to do that. Right? And um, it's good because um, it's good because mental health, um, a lot of it starts with getting people to understand how they feel. Like feeling is the foundation, right? It starts with sensation, then feeling, then feelings turn into thoughts, thoughts turn into emotions. You know, that 
whole kind of like pyramid. So it really starts with teaching people to listen to their body. My heart is fluttering. Why? Right? Um, I'm getting nervous. Why? Like, what's my cue for being nervous? Like, do I sweat? Do I, does my voice raise a pitch? When people start noticing their feelings and their sensations, then their thoughts become a little bit more clear, right? Oh, I'm nervous. How do I calm myself down, right? That should be a thought that happens in their head. Oh, I'm angry. How do I get rid of this anger? How do I control this anger? Just that emotional regulation leads to mental health. But before people can understand, like, their emotions, before people can understand what they're feeling, they have to understand, like, how to describe it. And that's where the education comes from. Like, is your heart beating, right? Asking people those simple questions. Um, You feel hot. Do you feel agitated, right? Finding those physical sensations, getting people to describe how it makes them feel, uh, if that's how you really increase their emotional regulation abilities. Are these things that you can help somebody navigate through? Yes. I, this is typically one of the focus what I'm talking with my clients, right? I get them to start being aware of how their body is. Like, how do, do you have any pain in your body? You have, is, how is your breathing? You know, these simple foundational things, they add up. They're, you know, you need a foundation. They don't, you can't just skip the basics. You can't just, when you, like, run into a diet, you can't just start eating foods you don't like and then expect to actually, you know, lose weight. You have to start with foods that you like that are healthy and then build a foundational diet from that point. How would you, let's say somebody has a child who is exhibiting some focus challenges and maybe they're thinking, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this could be ADHD, but I'm not really sure. What would be your, your first thought? Is it, is it get uh, an evaluation? Um, should they also start with maybe some counseling, some, some therapy, you know, uh, on your end? What do you think? Okay. Well, the first thing to do would just be to ask the child themselves a question. just like, maybe, you know, if they don't know the word, you could teach them, like, why don't you focus? If the child has an answer, just like, oh, I'm just not interested in that stuff, aren't I? Then, you know, it might not be a it might not be something diagnosable. The child just may not want to focus on that specific thing. Or, but if they say, like, oh, I don't know, then, you know, that's more likely, you know, then the child really doesn't have an answer. They don't have any agency. They're just on autopilot. That's when you should probably go for an evaluation. But it starts with figuring out, like, asking your child why they do the things they do instead of just assuming why they do the things they do. A lot of parents just assume their children are doing things because of their own preconceived notions. It all starts with asking questions. And then once, if you feel that your child doesn't really have an agency over what they do, that's when you should go get an evaluation. Interesting. Interesting, John, that you say that. Because I'm, I, I also believe that many people don't ask their kids, hey, what's going on? What are you feeling? Really, really go deep into their their what's happening within them. Um, so I'm glad you said that because you might get some very interesting views of what's going on with a child 
and it doesn't really matter what age unless, you know, they, they can't verbalize things. But you might get pleasantly surprised and, and get the clues to, hmm, all right, maybe there's a certain stimulation or something going on there. Uh, so th- thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. No problem. Uh, in terms of the mental health situation in our country, how about teenagers? You know, we have about a minute or so left. I know that uh, social media plays a, a big, big role in uh, in a lot of those challenges. What are your, you know, your your quick thoughts on that? Um, well, it's, unfortunately, it seems like a lot of teenagers have just like given up hope. I don't really blame them. The society is kind of just like look, things are getting expensive. There's not really a lot of um, certainty as to the future, right? But um, the answer isn't to just, like, give up or it isn't to just do whatever you want, right? Um, the answer seems to be just to remind these teenagers that, you know, the future may be uncertain, but the only thing they can really control is themselves and just to spend time with, like, their family. Like, a lot of teenagers, they're just so disconnected from each other, right? Like, yes, they they text each other through media, they do that, but nobody really hangs out in person anymore. It's no third place, and that's how we as humans learn to evolve, right? There's a lot of teenagers who get into arguments or fights because, you know, they took the wrong something the wrong way. Like, when they texted someone, they, they detected, like, a tone under the text when sure. sometimes there's not a tone, right? You can't really tell, you can't always for sure tell through text, but if you're in the in person, you can you can sense a person's body language, their energy, right? So you can always, you can almost always understand what they're feeling, right? Sure. So, yeah, there's there's just a lack of actual in-person connection. There needs to be experience, actual experience. Teenagers need the freedom to experience things. It's a great thought because many uh, hide behind their keyboard too. If it was in person. It'd be a totally different situation, but uh, a lot of teens just kind of hang by themselves in the room and uh, on their devices. Ja, how do we connect with you if somebody has questions or, or wants to look at maybe some counseling for themselves or maybe a, a family member? How do we do that? Um, they can reach me through my website at jharfman.com. That's J-H-A-R-V-M-A-N.com. Or they can reach me by email at jhartman at gmail.com. That's J-H-A-R-V-M-A-N at gmail.com. Always great talking with you. Learned a lot today and uh, interesting points, viewpoints on uh, some pretty serious stuff that uh, especially a lot of parents are going through. Thank you so much for being with us today. No problem. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. 
How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.